Hello, everyone, and welcome to the smuggest episode of Locked On Canadians. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we today are brought to you by the fine folks at Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I am, of course, one of your hosts. I am Scott Matla, and I am joined by my wonderful co-host, the active stick, Laura Saba, and we are living in smug, smug glory on this Monday morning, are we not? I'm surprised you can't hear me cackling all the way from Rochester, New York, because I have not stopped cackling since that game ended. And for those who can't, who might have missed it, which, how dare you, the Canadians <laughs> on Saturday night upset the Pittsburgh Penguins 3-2 in overtime in the opening game of the qualifying round between the two teams. And to be quite honest, it was a best-case scenario game. I don't think I've ever been so happy watching a game where they might have lost, in that everything that I wanted to happen happened, and then they won it, and I threw out every little bit of caring about the draft lottery, picking first or ninth, and I just got to live in the moment of Jeff Petrie's overtime winner, and there will be a lot more Jeff Petrie praise on this show. Trust me, and it was so glorious because over the course of that game, everything the Penguins had said leading up to this series and everything that we had talked about them possibly being concerned about came back to bite them on the ass. And I have not smiled that much watching the Canadians in almost two years at this point. I have to say, you know, we talked about it with the Canadians and we said, are we rooting for them to lose we want that first pick, or at the very least, we want ninth over 16th pick in the draft. And organically, logically, we know it makes sense that we want the Canadians to be set up for their future because we know they're not a contending team now as fans. Could you not, could you watch that and not be happy? That's the thing. Whenever people say, like, are you cheering for your team to lose? In theory, yes, but in practice, no. Like, your feelings, they, they won't let you root against your team winning. And so that was so true for me watching that game. But also another thing that we talked about, specifically we just talked about it in our preview. Well, it was sort of, it was it was a rant about the exhibition game, but we talked about the Canadians' power play. And in context of that conversation, what we said was, when you're a team like the Canadians and you're outmatched by every opponent you could possibly meet in this playoff, you have to capitalize on any mistakes and weaknesses the opponent has, even if they're way better than you. And that is exactly what the Canadians did for the Canadians. And I think people were very nervous after that Toronto exhibition game. But for the Canadians, they did everything that they needed to do in order to give them the best shot. One, Carey Price was awesome, right? And and nobody nobody expected anything different. Uh, but also, every if, if you notice, the Canadians capitalized on whatever wasn't clicking for the Penguins, wasn't working. Like, they took away the momentum by not allowing them to score on the power play. When they made mistakes and they put the wrong people on the ice, the puck was in the back of their net. It Like, they really did everything that they had to do as a team that's far outmatched in terms of talent and coaching. For the Canadians, that was a stellar game. Now, the Canadians as a whole, I'm not about to sit here and tell you they're better than the, than the, than, than the Penguins because of this game. But I'm going to revel in, in this win for as long as possible. 
it's like you were saying is that they did everything they had to to win and that meant capitalizing on opponents' mistakes. Jack Johnson screwed up so badly twice that he quite literally handed the Canadians the game. He missed his hit on Jesperi Kotkaniemi that allowed that goal to happen. He was standing in the corner with Justin Schultz when Jeff Petrie scored in overtime for whatever reason. Anytime Pittsburgh made a mistake, Montreal made sure to capitalize on that. And the Penguins, despite getting, I believe it was seven power plays on the night, didn't do anything. They had a five-on-three that was headmanned by a 20-year-old rookie centerman, and they could not convert on that with all the talent in the world. And a lot of that goes to, after the first 10 minutes, when they looked, were up like 10 to 2 in shots, and then Montreal scored first, just like the air out of a balloon, like we've seen so many times with the Habs this year, that was the Penguins. And you could see it get in their heads a little bit in that they start overthinking things. You start gripping the stick a little bit too much. Carey Price was phenomenal, and like you said, as expected. And the Canadians got the contributions they needed from different players. It wasn't just the top line having to do everything. They got contributions up and down the lineup and from different pairings all over the place. And even if they made mistakes, they tried to get back and fix them. Ben Sherratt had a turnover fell down trying to cover Jason Zucker, but as he was falling, managed to swat the puck away as he was falling down. It was honestly the opposite of the regular season with the Canadians in this game in that every time they made a mistake, it didn't immediately bite them on the butt, and they did what they could to recover. They didn't just fold. They were almost an entirely new team out there after the first 10 minutes. Absolutely. Honestly, I was so surprised by it because the Toronto game was so stuck in my mind at that point. So again, like I probably should have should have had a little bit more faith in the team. And as the game wore on, you know, I, I think after that first period, I thought this series is a lot closer than even I thought it would be. And, and you know, we've talked about how overwhelmingly everybody's talking about how like this is so lopsided, the Penguins in like a cakewalk or whatever. And I personally, I think I started getting wrapped up in it. I'm not, I'm not about to, you know, I'm not about to suddenly think that my team's a contender and doesn't need any work. That's not what I'm saying. But I think like as a fan, I'm not, I, I don't feel guilty. I just think that I probably should have given my own team a little bit more credit uh, based on what I know of them. Yeah. I mean, I guess because we've watched this team so closely, like they gave us no indication that they could do this. And then they went ahead and did that anyways, where this entire game was a statement game for Carey Price, and we will touch on the wonderfulness of said Carey Price later on in this show. It it was nice to see everyone show up and not one or two people in a game. And even if things didn't go their way, they still managed to rebound and turn it into a positive for them. And in that positive were two impressive showings by two of the youngest players on the team. And we're going to get into that coming up next. With the world being as crazy as it is and, you know, not always having the time to find the parts you might need for your car, why on earth would you ever want to go to any kind of chain storefront and be forced to pay more for parts that you don't really get to pick, whatever brand they have available is what you're going to end up with, and you're going to be paying what they're looking for. Laura, what if I told you there's an easier way to manage your car right in your uh, pants pocket? Well, I, I would want to know exactly what that is and how quickly I can go there. 
Well, if you go to rockauto.com right now, you can browse their huge online web store and look for whatever brand you want for any kind of vehicle, any make and model, any year, and everything from engine parts to brake pads to simple things like headlights, taillights, you know, mats for your car, anything. And you can do that right online. And there's no reason to be paying more when you can go to rockauto.com and tell them Lockdown sent you and make your life so much easier. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. If you go to RockAuto.com, you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. Whether it's for your classic, you know, hot rod or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals or do-it-yourselfers. Why would you ever want to spend twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you there. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Now, as we've mentioned a couple of times in this show, Monday night is game two between the Penguins and the Canadians. And if you are looking to follow on in all of our joy, trepidation, and yelling, you can do so on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. We are going to be asking for your Nick Suzuki feelings all day, every day, and especially during the game. If you want to interact with us and let us know exactly what you're thinking Hit us up at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter. We want to hear from you during the game because we love our listeners and we want to know what you're feeling as all this qualifying round fun continues. And speaking of qualifying, qualifying round fun, Laura, let's talk about this podcast's favorite person in the world, one Nick Super Saiyan Suzuki. I can't even. I, I'm, I'm, I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm like exploding with joy and pride. Like he's my own son. It, I just, he played the most minutes out of any forward. And that, we do have to talk about how Deno kind of got himself a little bit uh, sidelined there. Uh, I don't know if it's entirely fair, but I do think he didn't have, you know, his best game. But uh, Nick Suzuki certainly, as he's been doing all year, capitalized on that opportunity and played so well, made so many things happen. I just, I could not believe how good he was. and. Somebody who was a rookie, you know, like he didn't just not have a lot of playoff experience in the NHL. He's just had one partial season of experience in the NHL. And I just, it blew my mind. I, and, and, you know, when I was watching that happen, as I was watching, I think it was a pass first that didn't lead to goal. I couldn't, I can't even remember what it was. Like my first, like Nick Suzuki has made it to the NHL playoffs moment was, I just, I was like, I can't believe how much I've missed watching this kid play. And I know we talked so much about how the exhibition game kind of left a sour taste in our mouth. We talked about how he was one of the most impressive players in, the, in that game. And then Nick Suzuki went out there against Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. He killed a five-on-three penalty with the game on the line in the third period. He was incredible that night. And yes, we can go look at, you know, his statistics and everything, but here's the thing. Sometimes a game goes beyond, you know, his possession metrics in that he did everything that Claude Julien asked of him. He was 
playing the penalty kill. He was on the power play. He absolutely sniped a goal by Matt Murray. He was phenomenal. I'm running out of words to describe Nick Suzuki, and I haven't even called him cerebral yet. He was amazing. And even as the game went on, he continued to grow. He was playing well, playing well. And then you just see that confidence brim and come out, and you're realizing this is a 20-year-old kid who is out there against two future Hall of Famers, multiple-time Stanley Cup champions, and he just kind of went, nah, this is my ice tonight, and he just took that away from them. And he's not the only young player to step up. Jesperi Kotkaniemi was had a very rough sophomore season. He got demoted to the AHL, and like we talked about going into last week, people are wondering, did they make a mistake drafting him? Is he a bust? Did we screw this up? And then he scored the opening goal of the game and basically put two finish middle fingers up to every single person who doubted him. And it cannot be understated how important that opening goal is. He had the lowest ice time out of forwards, but with the power play and penalty kill being what they were, he did what he needed to. He didn't allow a ton of chances against, and the chances he did generate, one of them went in the net, which is more than we can say for a lot of other people in that game. The young guns stepping up the way they did against the Pittsburgh Penguins is the biggest key in this series for me, is that even if the Canadians lose the next three games, those two stood out already, and I have so much confidence that they're going to continue to be driving forces in this team as this series and qualifying round goes on. Everything that you would have wanted him to do in this, you know, whatever, the fake off season, whatever you're going to call the height, the pause, (laughs) the pause, everything that you needed him to do uh, that he was able to do in that short amount of time, like the amount of improvement that you can do over the course of like four and a half months is not is is not exponential. But he did what he was able to do. Like he he basically like maximized the potential improvement, I find, from that time. And he's only gonna get better. And I think like the most amusing thing is that if the Canadians don't win the series, then these two players will have playoff goals and never have made the playoffs. Like that I like that like that's the kind of stat that's like nonsensical and, and I love that kind of stuff. And really, the other thing that that we still haven't gotten to is Jonathan Duran, but um, the other stat, I think it was Down Goes Brown that pointed it out first, was that this is the first time that there was a penalty shot in a playoff overtime game that did not involve Yarmir Yager, and this is the first time in a playoff game that there have been two penalty shots awarded since 1923. Like, I love that kind of stuff, but for me, the most, the funniest thing will be if the Canadians don't end up qualifying for the next round, they will never have made the playoffs, but they will have playoff goals, and I just love that. Because the NHL cannot help be, be so utterly ridiculous that they're not really in the playoffs, but we're counting these as playoff stats for all things, but you didn't actually make the playoffs. And as good friend of the show pointed out last night, for everyone hemming and hawing over Jesperi Kotkaniemi or Brady Kachuk, which one of these players currently is one in the playoffs and two has a playoff goal and three doesn't look like a weasel that he eats out of a trash can? I think that's three things in favor of the Finnish wonderkind, Jesperi Kotkaniemi. <laughs> so, Wait, who said that? I missed that. Uh, well, I, uh, Julian last night made a tweet that said, you, that actually mentioned that Jesperi Kotkaniemi scored a playoff goal before Brady Kachuk did. And I don't think Senators fans took too kindly to that. 
Therefore, I'm going to make fun of Brady Kachuk because what are they going to do? You're the Ottawa Senators. Can add a check mark to that. Made fun of the Senators who aren't even playing in this. I am, I am in my glory today because we've said it so often that everything in that game turned out just the way we would have wanted. And it wasn't just young players doing that. There were veterans who stepped up in a big way last night and they're going to be our focus in our final segment. And now I know we mentioned if you want to follow the podcast Twitter uh, during game time, it's at LO underscore Canadians. You can also follow Laura and myself at Scott Matla and at The Active Stick for all our live reactions to everything. I'm always making GIF highlights for all the goals and nonsense that are happening. And Laura always wants to know exactly what your ex-player feelings will be during the game. So give us a follow if you're looking, if you don't already follow us on Twitter, that is, if you're looking for all the fun in-game as well. And we just talked in the last segment about the young players, Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kotkaniemi stepping up, but we would be remiss if we didn't put the spotlight now on the overtime hero, Jeff Petrie, and not even arguably the first star of the game with 39 saves on 41 shots, Carey Price. Everyone's always talking. Well, if Carey Price stands up, he, you know, they can, they can shock the Penguins. Well, I think Carey Price more than stood on his head last night and showed everyone how good he can be. Everything last night looked like vintage Carey Price where difficult things look so easy. He's calm, composed. He's not making too many extra movements the puck hits him and it stops he was the carry price that we've known in the past and i am so happy to see that guy back between the pipes in this series right now it's really interesting because you know there's always so much hand-wringing about carry price these days and one of the things was you know you know every every year when there's a like you know the off season and he comes back after not having played well he needs a little bit of adjustment. Otherwise, he's, he struggles. He's inconsistent or whatever. But I think that Carey Price is the kind of goaltender who I think a situation like this really brings out the best in him. Like, he likes the sudden death, the do or die. There were a couple of times when we were watching the game where, you know, a November Carey Price would have looked over his shoulder, but there was none of that in the game. He was so calm. He His positioning was so fantastic. And it's not like the Penguins are bad. I mean, they, like, they've got some phenomenal players where I was just like, wow, Carey Price is absolutely robbing people right now. And obviously, like, I, I, will, I will concede that the Canadians did, uh, sorry, the Penguins did struggle last night. But the Canadians, I think, they allowed them a lot less space than, than I expected them to. And the other thing too was that a lot of those shots came, like the, the Penguins had seven power play opportunities. And so, you know, there was a lot of, there's a lot of traffic in, in Carey Price's face. And I just, he was unflappable. You know, he just, he seemed like we always say, he makes like really difficult things look easy. And that's what he did last night. And honestly, in the overtime, like there was so much aggression from, from the Canadians that I think he just kind of, he stood, he stood really tall. Like there, there was that overtime, uh, penalty kill that the Canadians had to deal with and that that seemed to kill momentum to just, just very briefly because before and after that it was all Canadians and I think the fact that you know that you can rely on Carey Price you can take a little bit more risk in the overtime you can push a little bit more and that enabled the Canadians to actually take that risk and 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 capitalize on on that uh game-winning goal 
Yeah, it's he was who we needed him to be in that. In those opening ten minutes, it was all Penguins, and it was Carey Price who just you know refused to let anything by him. And then the Canadians score first, and they score again. You have to wonder if they threw everything at the net in that first period and couldn't break through. How much does that eat away at a team's psyche? Even like their goal from Sidney Crosby, like had to be banked in like ridiculously, like a high high end skill play. If that's what it's going to take to beat Carey Price in this series, I still like the Habs odds because Carey Price doesn't let many of those goals in. And shifting off a of price for a minute, Jeff Petrie won the game in overtime as he toe dragged around Brandon Tanev, you know, sliding across the ice. And I could not be more happy for the guy. He's one of my favorites. But his pairing with Brett Kulak last night went head-to-head with Sidney Crosby at evens, and they absolutely dominated the Crosby line, which is not an easy thing to do. It's not easy to beat Sidney Crosby, let alone him, his line mates, backed up by Chris Letang's defensive partnering as well. Jeff Petrie was incredible last night. And again, people are going to point to Shea Weber and Ben Chirot being physical and, you know, all the hits they laid up as people got close to price. That's great and all. Jeff Petrie actually did all the things that you think Shea Weber did. He had the puck. They got more shots when he was on the ice. They scored goals. They did everything. This is a Jeff Petrie appreciation podcast. But even after last night, there's not a better person that could have scored that overtime goal short of maybe Brendan Gallagher after Sidney Crosby, like, tried his best to decapitate him. And the Canadians' success, and I wrote about it before the series started, and I wrote another piece that's going to come out today at Eyes on the Prize, is that the success of the Petrie and Kulak pairing is going to help steady the Canadian ship. Because Ben Schrott and Shea Weber can have their moments, but there are times that they cannot transition the puck as well as that other pairing can. And while Shea Weber has fantastic offensive talent, so does Petrie with the ability to move the puck on his own and not just firing it up the boards if he needs to. All in all, just like Suzuki playing in every situation, Jeff Petrie was that guy on defense last night. And I think he deserves all the kudos in the world for his performance, even before that overtime goal was scored. Do you know the sad thing is that there's still going to be Jeff Petrie, like people trying to get Jeff Petrie traded all through next season too. I will fight people, Laura. I swear to God. I will put on my gloves, throw them off, and fight people in the streets. Don't forget to wear your mask. (laughs) But, like, that's the thing, because we talked a little bit about this early, early in the year, was that, like, Brett Kulak is very much a complimentary player in that there are so many situations in which he does not fit. But then you put him with Jeff Petrie, and it really works. And the other thing with, with, with the Shea Weber and Ben Chirot is that they played a lot of minutes, especially Shea Weber played like a phenomenal amount of minutes. And it's like, it's blessing. Like he's, he's still trying out there. He's, he's still pulling his weight as much as he can, but his assignments are now different. And so I feel like there's only a short amount of time before the opponents realize that Jeff Petrie is really the one that they should be defending against. But while, you know, Shea Weber's got their attention, I'm more than happy to let that happen because Jeff Petrie's being given the space, you know, to, I don't want to say skate circles around the opponent, but that's kind of what he's doing. Yeah, Claude Julian clearly recognizes how good Petrie is if he's the one going mainly head-to-head with Crosby. Now, are other teams going to try and start planning for Petrie and maybe giving Shea Weber the space that he needs? And maybe Claude Julian then, it's, 
okay, Jeff, you're going to eat more defensive zone minutes so we can free up Shea to use him in the offensive zone. Where if we have Suzuki or whomever, you know, being shifty with the puck, freeing up that space for him against lesser competition, maybe that gets Shea Weber going because we know Petrie can at least tread water or play well against top lines. His success can help drive the rest of the team's success forward in this series. And even, like I said, they could lose the next three games, but this was that kind of game that was a coming out moment for a lot of players. We already know how good Carey Price can be. Guys like Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kotkaniemi and Jeff Petrie and Brett Kulak, who don't have a ton of playoff games under their belt, this is that kind of moment that showcases how good they can be in these situations. And we know Petrie is nothing short of phenomenal. Now it's going to be who steps up in game two. So Laura, outside of the people that were good in game one, who is going to be, who do you think is going to be the surprise player for game two tonight? Jonathan Drouin, because he did not have a great second half against Toronto and he did not by any means have a good game against the Penguins in game one. I believe he will step up, assuming that he does not get too into his own head because I think that it was overthinking that cost him that goal when he had that penalty shot, and I really do think that if he can get his head straight, he's really going to have a big game, and I have all the confidence in him, and I'm so excited for people to yell at me after the game that I'm wrong. <laughs> I agree with you on Drouin. I do think he has, I think he's going to take that game personally and use it to be better and maybe simplify things. My money is going to be on one Arturi Lekkinen, who was in fine playoff form, being a relentless pressure forward. He did originally have an assist on Jesperi Kotkaniemi's goal. It was changed to Paul Byron, which is just clear anti lekanen bias, but that one's for you, Mark, I promise. Uh, I think Lekkonen can be that guy who might surprise next game if they try to hone in a little bit more on Suzuki or Kotkaniemi and free up the young, the other young Finn for space. We will see on Monday night, we will be back with our regular episode for Tuesday, recording after the game, so you will get all of us in either our happiness or sad glory. Again, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, we are at LO underscore Canadians. Laura is at The Active Stick, and I am at Scott Matla on Twitter. We'd love to see and interact with you during the games here. If you want to subscribe and listen to this podcast, you can find it wherever you listen to your daily shows on Google, Apple, Spotify, or wherever. Thank you so much for listening. Now ask your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On NHL.